Attention all filmmakers. You have short films or full features without a district. Come to www.fhffsd.org. That is the fantastic horror film festival. So hurry up. Submit now. Hello, everyone. This is Gruesome Herzog with my special co-host, Joanne Thomas, one of the co-founders of the Fantastic Horror Film Festival in San Diego, California. Our very special guest is a creepy son-of-a-bitch warden from 17 to Life Jail Bait, Steve Hanks. How the hell are you? I'm creepy. I'm uh, creepy in all those words that you said. Absolutely. Yeah, right here in Southern California <laughs> where it is 80 degrees today. Uh, of course, with a wind chill factor, it drops down to 73. But, uh, oh. yeah, it's nice here in sunny Southern California. And it's nice to have that reputation oh, that precedes me. I love that. <laughs> it's snowing here, oh, so thank it, God. Let it snow. Let it snow. <laughs> let it snow. That's right. Just not here in Southern California. Well, I want to uh, thank you for coming on. We've been talking for quite some time since, basically since Hold Your Breath and 12-12-12. But then we also got a conversation about a film that you were in way back in 1980. Mm-hmm that I just happened to stumble across and I can remember the comment that you made to me you said uh, you must be drunk that, oh yes <laughs> exactly yeah I think yeah you had, you had Facebook me and said yes I'm I just happened to be watching uh, uh, whatever the name of it is I, I, when, I, when I say that it's Island, Island Falls Claws because I know that they had kicked around the idea of changing the name to Night of the Claw but I think the official title you know in Cinematic history uh, is uh, Island Claws, but uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote you back and I said if you're enjoying this, you are uh, on crack or into Jack Daniels. But it did have kind of a cute little thing. It was sort of a cute little high school, sort of a big crab eats Miami sort of. A yeah, show. it was pretty cool. <laughs> Assuming okay, that this sounds scary. What is, everybody, this sounds scary. This Joanne is getting ready to take the stage, so everybody brace yourself. Joanne, breaks. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, all these people giving me a hard time. What can I say? <laughs> so. You had a big career back in the 80s with mostly television stuff. And then you kind of disappeared from the scene for a while until, what, 2001? But all that was mostly television, correct? Correct, yes. Yes. So how does it feel to be back on the big screen instead of on the little one? Well, it feels good. In fact... um you know, the, the short answer for where I was for all those years is crack cocaine. The accurate answer is, and this is where America will just love, uh, the fact that I, I actually went on a seven year, um, spiritual journey where I, you know, did nothing but, I, I know this is going to seem, seem ironic because, you know, I have no problem dropping the F-bomb. I have no problem uh, banging uh, the young girl in 17 in Life, Kale Bates, who happened to be the director's girlfriend. Um, but, yeah, I went on this seven-year spiritual quest, and then I got into music. I did music for about 20 years, and then I was a and I got married during that time period and then I was a seminar speaker 
where I traveled the United States and Canada teaching people how to trade in the stock market. And um, that happened to be what I was doing right before when you guys tried to call. I was actually online in what is called a simulated trading account. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, I just kind of know how. I'm just kind of a jack of all trades. Master of none? <laughs> Masturbator of none. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it sounds very interesting. I'd like to take a spiritual journey myself. Well, it's kind of nice. It's kind of it's you know it's kind of difficult to make a living when you're out there not working, but you know it just happened to be one of those things where I was able to make ends meet. So, yeah. But for as for being back now, what happened was the seminar speaking circuit uh, tended to dry up a little bit. I I went from a company called. Uh, well, there was actually a company 10, 12 years ago that some people would remember. It's called Wade Cook. And then I segued into a company called Better Trades. And then I segued into what is probably more familiar with some of your listeners would be T. Harv Epper, um, who's right along the lines of Tony Robbins. And then I went into real estate with uh, Armando Montalongo, who, who has that show Flip This House. And then I went into another company called Online Trading Academy, and I was more or less a mercenary. I was with three companies at one time. Hmm. And I have this gift that I developed because my brain is kind of slow, so I figured, well, that's the hand I've been dealt. How do I go out and do these two-hour seminars with very little memorization skills and very little time to learn them? So I mastered the art of the earpiece which is where you put the entire two-hour seminar on a digital tape player. It's sitting in my pocket, and it wirelessly uh, communicates a seminar that I have pre-recorded into my earpiece, which is so small that you can't see it, and I would just simply mimic the words that I was saying, and that way I could give a two-hour seminar. That's pretty interesting. And it's pretty bizarre, yeah. you got to have an empty head for it to work. <laughs> Okay. There has to be absolutely nothing going on in your brain in order to assimilate this this tape recorder, this digital tape player that's going in one ear and you're mimicking it, you know, while you're hearing your own voice in your head. It's a yeah, it's a it's a pretty unique. I'd say it's a a, a nebulous kind of a gift. I don't think I could do it, but I, then again, I'm in my head all the time. So, <laughs> well, Joanne, that's why I drink wine. It's for crowd control. I'm drinking some right now. Cheers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you a question about bad guys in particular. Um, okay. Most of the people that I have known who play bad guys are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And do you find that uh, being a bad guy helps you dissipate your negativity, kind of like the di- dichotomy of the human nature where everyone has a uh, <clears throat> evil and good side, does it help you articulate that and get it out of your system? It is somewhat cathartic. It is somewhat a release because, as you mentioned, and accurately so, I am probably one of the nicest, um, you know, I'm just saying this about myself. I mean, other people have said it, but I'm just a, a nice guy. I care about people. Um, I... Uh, I'm a Virgo, and Virgos tend to want to save the world. Uh, they want to fix everybody's problems, and that's the way that I am in real life. Mm-hmm. And this Frank Baragon 
character is, it, I can't tell you how Metro is to me. However, having said that, Joanne, there is element of that wickedness that is in every individual, in every person that walks this earth. It's just some people tap into it in real life and become, you know, the evil dregs of society. Mm-hmm. Other people uh, allow it to dominate maybe their relationships and then they're sorry afterwards. Oh, honey, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry I, you know, threw the plate of food across the room. I'm sorry I cut off your left arm. Um, <laughs> and, and then there's other people that, um, you know, they don't really walk in it at all, but it's right there on call to tap into as an actor because people do not want to pay $11 for 90 minutes to watch a nice guy on the screen. They just don't. In real life, they do, but not in not in movies. Right. They don't want to watch a really nice person. They want to watch a really mangled, effed up person who is struggling to overcome that wickedness, and sometimes they lose. And that's what Frank Barragon in this movie does. He... Hey. he the nice guy comes out. There's a scene where Jared came in. Jared was the director. Jared came in and says, Steve, before you rape uh, 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 Anna Nix, before she, we bring, I want you on the phone with your mother having a conversation about Christmas gifts or whatever. And that's such an interesting dichotomy. That's such an interesting uh, uh, diversion or wide spectrum from this evil guy that's just getting ready to rape this girl but at the same time he's on the phone with his mom saying mom I I, I gotta go I'm busy I gotta go I love you mom okay and then boom Anna pull down your pants so um, that's where Jared was so creative in allowing me to bring that kind of creativity because you know the, the natural way as an actor would play that is just a dirty mean guy okay pull down your pants and blah 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 that's not interesting either so super nice is not interesting. Right. Super wicked is not interesting. What's interesting is a really nice guy that does bad things. And well, that's that's how we chose to play this character. I found it interesting that the character appreciated her cello playing as yes. part, of that, part of that. I mean, he just kind of helped her along, not knowing that she was going to get back at him, but still... You know, he thought, and the music was really great, and it really added to the story. Yeah. I was reading a review this morning. There's another review that's out there, and there's been some, I mean, it's very wonderful reviews that this movie has had, but this one guy that wrote it, it just got posted on Facebook today, um, said he was brought to tears at the end of the movie. And I myself, when I read the script, was brought to tears at the end of the movie, and I thought, "Wow, what a what a um, a different take for Asylum." And I love Asylum. I've worked with them. This is my seventh movie that I've done with them. Um, and yeah. and you know they have what they're very well known for, but this one had no eyeballs, you know, hanging out and down under the side of the cheek and and that type of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that from a business standpoint, every one of their films since 1995, 150 of them, every one of them has made money. So, but this one, uh, it really takes on the flavor and the look of a feature film that you would see on a screen and in theaters and, and there's redemption in it. That's the word that I'm looking for. There's redemption in this one. Yes, it's bad what happened to her. Yes, it's bad that what Frank did to her but Frank gets his due they take him away 
and lock him up. And then, and then Anna, you know, I don't want to say what, what happened, but you know, it's, um, you just see a, a nice, um, transformation, a redemption. Yeah, because I know Jared told me in the message, he said, you know, this is the first time Asylum uh, didn't edit my script. They left me use the whole script to make yeah. this film. Yeah. So, and you know, you know, I'm a biggest Asylum fan. I'm a big sci-fi channel fan, and I think for Asylum to put this film, take this film, it shows the a new branch of yeah. films that Asylum can get themselves into, and they couldn't have picked a better film. Mm-hmm. I talked to Aaron about this film, the interview me and Joanne did, and I, it just, the, the film was just, to me, I think this is one of Jared's best films of a non-horror era. I think, I mean, he hasn't done, you know, but as far as his first non-horror film, I think it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You know? I agree. It's just, it, I, I know that when I, when I read the script, I actually had to turn down another film to, to be able to do this one, and it was, it was a struggle. Because you know, once I give my word to somebody, um, I I I want to keep my word. But this was um, a situation where um, actually, what I did with the other director of the other film, I made phone calls. See, I was raised in the business world, and I'm just, I'm an actor, which is very creative. But I'm also a businessman, and I'm also a very logical thinker. And when I was in the business mm-hmm. world, I would go to the CEO with a problem but I would never go to him with any less than three solutions. I would say, okay, here's the problem. Now, here's the solutions I've come up with. You pick any one of them, and they will all solve this problem. And that's what I did for this director. I said, look, you are it was a, it was a, you are an up-and-coming director. I like you. I know that you're going to make it. I want us to have a good working relationship in the future. So, therefore, I have this other film that I feel compelled to do. But what I've done for you, and I had already made phone calls, and I brought in a slam dunk actor, an amazing actor that has a resume like three pages long, and we're talking network television, as well as a lot of independent features. Right. And this guy agreed to fly in on his own nickel from, uh, I believe, uh, where was it, Albuquerque, and and do this job with this director. So that was important for me to, um, you know, keep that relationship strong. And I do believe he'll make it in the future, but right. that was the quality of what I saw when I read that script for for Jailbait. It was just like I've got to do this film. This is this is a winner. Your perform- I mean, being that you had that ten year absence and you made a you know basically a comeback into the films in 2012, I think this film, Seventeen Alive Jailbait, is probably the landmark for you of all your films that you've done since 2012. This film showed you. In a full length, you know, a full length role, and a a very demanding, demented, crazy, creepy, son of a bitch acting role. I think it's really this is a stepping stone for you as far as the new generation. Oh my god, I I I really do. I appreciate you saying that. I I really do. Um, You know, it's taken me a lot of years to not just develop that character because when you're developing a character or developing an aspect of your personality as an actor. It's not like somebody says, somebody's standing at the finish line going, okay, here's what I want you to look like. When you're on that journey, you don't know. You don't know what it is you're looking right. for. You don't know what it is that is going to be the most entertaining for these people, for the for the movie-going audience. And it is a crapshoot. You are in the dark. Finally get to that point where you develop that character and it's popular and it's it makes people happy and it makes people, you know, give you accolades. You just go, wow, that was a, a nice journey. I'm glad I'm 
I've arrived. I was just doing a table read the other day for a for a really big movie because now you guys, I'm really at that point where it's like just just the the, the skies are about to open wide open, and um, and it, I did yeah. the very same character. It's like, you guys, every time I go into an audition now, I do that same character. Even if it doesn't call for it, I don't care. I'm going to bring them what I do best. And if they like it, they'll like it. And exactly if they don't like right. it, well, that's good. They just, they're looking for something else. But I'm not going to try to be somebody that I'm not. I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to blast them with that kind of charming, in your face, F you type of personality. And that's what has worked for me. So I, I really do appreciate you. Um, pointing that out because I've worked hard to arrive at that at that character development. Well, I think you did. You nailed it because I can remember um, <clears throat> Jared contacted me and said, "Hey, do you want to?" He sent me a screener to watch. You know, Jailbait. I said, "Sure," because I watched all his other films that he did. And then after I watched it, I was blown away. I did a review, and then Joanne, as I mentioned earlier, her and her husband Mike. Uh, are co-founders of the Fantastic Horror Film Festival, yeah. you know, in San Diego, and I and, and and her husband Mike is a movie reviewer at Matchflick, which he which he reviewed it also, and um, I said to her, I said, you know, there's horror films that are creepy and disturbing. I said, but you guys got to see this film. This takes disturbing to an ultimate level. And I'm not saying torture porn. I'm not, I'm saying a, a factual situation that probably did happen or could, or could happen. I said, once you watch this film, you're going to be disturbed. And the first thing Joanne says to me is, oh, it wow. was disturbing. So the point was across and I keep telling Joanne, I said, Joanne, you ain't going to believe this. I said, Steve Hanks, I've been talking to off and on for a while. I said, we got that creepy son of a bitch. What <laughs> an <laughs> <the> interview. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Steve, I, I, I job well done. I mean, I can, you know, this is a landmark for you. I mean, a, a landmark because you, you, you found yourself as far as a character actor of playing his part. Because the first film I seen you in was Super Cyclone. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, a fairly decent film. Okay, and then I seen you as McBride and Hold Your Breath. I love your performance in that one. You were like this loner type guy with a shotgun. Okay, and then Twelve, Twelve, Twelve was uh, a different weird film. I mean, I liked Hold Your Breath yeah. better, you know. And then I loved you in Hansel and Gretel. You know, I mean, I I, I love the uh, the D Wallace. I, I think that was D Wallace's best performance yeah, in yeah. years in uh, Hansel and Gretel. So then you had you in there, and then lo and behold, the film that I want to see, I'm a nut for shark movies. I want to see Mega Shark and Mecha Shark. I want to see that in the worst way. I can't believe that comes out. But then, 17 Life in Jailbait. Now, in 2013, Steve Hanks has risen. He has a, you know, you nailed that fucking performance. I hated you. And that's the whole point of watching a movie, is if you hate a character like you did in that movie, that tells you one thing, that you fucking nailed uh, your part. I agree, because I hated him uh, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, isn't it a crazy business that you know, we're in when somebody says, you were the biggest asshole 
you were a jerk. I hated you. And the person on the other end, which is me, going, Oh, thank you. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> But uh, we made a joke with uh, Aaron. Um, if, if you listen to the interview, though, you'll, you'll hear it. We are thinking of a, a clever plan of making Jail Bait Part 2. <laughs> and Jared loved it, loved it when he, he sent me a message. I said, you know, you, um, Cody's background was never told in right. the first one. You could easily make a sequel and take it, her background, of why she's there. And it's just... Oh, interesting. Because she gets away with so much, and she has her TV in her cell and all that stuff. When you first see you in this movie, I, I say to people, and I told Joanne this, there was something odd about you right when mm. I first saw you. You know what I mean? And that that's clever acting because you can tell that you are one twisted son of a bitch, but we didn't know which <laughs> of how. And... uh Boy, I tell you what, she took a hell of a beating. I mean, she got her from everyone, and she fought back. And then you, uh, that phone call that you mentioned about, you know, bring throwing that family thing in there, like you're just Mister Nice Guy, but deep down inside, as you see, that you are this twisted, sadistic, <laughs> creepy dude, and and uh, who's going to watch this film? It's going to remember you and remember the asshole in the beginning of the film that gets killed. Of how those are two main yeah. points, you know. First of all, what happens to her and what she did and what she got accused of and why she's there, and then you got all these inmates. And I love Cody. I love Aaron to death. I thought she nailed her part in that movie as well. Uh, and you have all these characters going on, all the gangs and stuff. And then, you know, the ending was like, wow. You know, you fell in love. Basically, you basically fell in love yeah. with her too. Uh, if you can say that, but then the, the, the play, and then you bought her that instrument, and then it's just an all-around complete film that I think it's going to affect all varieties of uh, film yeah. lovers, you know. Uh, it's just well mm. put together. Yeah, when um, I, I remember when we shot um, where I first brought her the cello, and she played it, and that's where you can see this guy in all of his wickedness, he still has a heart somewhere in there. And that's, mm-hmm. and then like the phone call with his mom, you know, there's, there's something intrinsically interesting about a more or less serial rapist who is a family man. And, um, that's yeah. where Jared was, was so brilliant in his writing and also when we talked about how to play this character in the beginning he said everything you're saying right now is exactly what he said Steve this is what I want to portray find whatever it is in you that portrays that you're likable charming and then bam we hit him we hit the audience upside the head with the continual raping and pillaging and and you know, damaging this young woman, and um, so it was really a, a team effort. And then, um, you know, and even even the day that we did the the rape scene, um, one of them, it was the first time, the first day that we shot it. And of course, Jared and Sarah are boyfriend and girlfriend, and the three of us are friends. And they've been over to the house and we right. hung out. And that day, we talked about it. You know, Jared 
you know, Sarah just said, you know, Steve, and all three of us together, Steve, whatever you want to do, she just kind of held her arms out, you know, sort of like in a vulnerable type position, whatever you want to do, do it. And Jared, you know, he talks out of the side of his mouth. He says, yeah, Steve, if there's anybody I want to fuck my girlfriend, it'd be Steve Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. I've seen that. Oh, you know, it was, it's, uh, we just got a really good working relationship between the three of us. It was, it was just a pleasure all the way around. And now to hear the accolades, it's just like, wow. You know, you just kind of sit back and, you know, there's a time where you've worked hard and then you sit back and enjoy the fruit of your labor. And that's what we're all doing right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to you guys, you know, and others like you that are, you know, uh, giving us good critiques and good reviews and, it just it's it just sort of snowballs. I know that on uh, you know IMDb they have that number, which is um, you know where you are ranked. And I know that in the last week my number went got cut in half. And it's not like I'm some big superstar. I'm not. But you know when you see that number cut in half, you know it's all because of the of the of the whisper campaign, as it were, that's going on out there about jailbait. Yeah. So it'll only get better. It'll only get better. I was uh, devastated when I seen it. I mean, uh, I, I admit it. I mean, it disturbed me to the point of what you see. But I'm glad that it had a story along with it. Because a lot of films are made like this that really have no substance. That all they want to show is the rape and 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 the and the female and female and and all that stuff. But there usually there isn't no. A valuable story that goes with it. Exactly. And right. that's what makes this film above the rest of them because it's not just a girls getting, uh, molested or whatever or it's, there's a story behind a story behind a story. There's, you got stories galore in this film from different angles from yeah. druggies to this gang to that gang to your thing. And I think one of the lines that I thought was so odd is right towards the end when you said, come on, that was, that was made. Or however, however it was, it was like, dude, that is a typical bad person that gets caught. That's exactly what they say. So you played that perfect. <laughs> so, oh yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was telling Aaron that one of the things about the movie that I find interesting is that the, there are so many women out there who may have been in the position, and they'll all get up and applaud when she kills. Her stepfather. Yeah, <laughs> and those yeah. are the people. Those are people that are going to be affected, really affected by the story. Yeah, and those yeah. are people that don't have never may not have never told anyone their story, and that's really important for those people to see and to get out of their system also. So yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be good with that. Really good with that crowd of people. And then of course, and, and that, and then of course you got all your dirty old men that are gonna live vicariously through dirty old man Frank Gehry. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We got the whole spectrum's gonna be happy. <laughs> yep, everybody will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> the innocent battered women are gonna be happy, and the nasty old men that have battered these women are gonna be happy. So they there might, you go. they yeah. probably will be more happy <laughs> than the <Yeah>. women. <laughs> Those sick bastards. <laughs> <laughs> When's it getting released on uh, VOD or DVD? Is there a date? I can't remember. December 31st. That's it. December 31st. I, I knew that. I, I did, too. That. I just kind of... And there's also a comic book, too. Yes. That was, um, you know, that's uh, the, the brilliant marketing strategies of Asylum. 
is you know to have a the comic book was concurrent with the with the film. Um, I will hand it to these guys. They just are marketing geniuses. They really are. I don't know if you know the story between hashtag Hold Your Breath because that was the name of the movie. That was the first movie, I believe, in history Hold Your Breath that had a hashtag in front of it. And when you go to Redbox um, or Netflix or whatever, usually people, it's a known fact that people will buy out of the first, I don't know, three, five, or ten. I don't really know what the numbers are, but they buy out of the first, let's say, ten movies that they scroll to. They just don't really know what they want. So there's, well, hashtag, you know, there's alphabetical, alphabetical order. And alphabetical yes. order hashtags, I believe, come in front of numbers. Yep, and, you know, they do. And so there you go at the top of the list. Also, 12, 12, 12. 12 is a number. And the number 12 is first in alphabetical order, even above, you know, A. They, you know, these guys, they're just, and they're really good guys, too. You know, I don't know if you've ever interviewed any of them, but it's it's uh, David Latt. Jared, I did. Yep. Uh, okay, David Latt. Uh, David Ramali and uh, and Paul Baines and they're just good family men. Mm-hmm. And by the way, um, I'm sure you guys are aware of this, but they also have like a, a, a family division of film that they do. They have Christmas movie coming out on I want to say Lifetime, and it's just good family fun. It's like wow, man. <laughs> You're talking about Alone for Christmas. That's what, yes, yes. It's, is that one with the dogs? The talking dogs, I think. I'm not sure, but they don't have a lifetime. Yeah. They they have a little bit of budget to do without, and, um, but it's just good fan fun. Yep. And I I mean, again, and like I said, Steve, uh, this bitch puts you on a map. I mean, I mean, not that you weren't before, but now you, you're able to portray a character that is so hated, that is so spontaneous, that, uh, it's, it's gonna leave you in, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, let me tell you. Well, it's good family fun too. Good, <laughs> good, good, dysfunctional family fun. Yeah, yeah, it really depends a lot on the type of family you came from. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I appreciate you saying that again because you know it almost seems like now it's it's the perfect storm where where uh, in the independent feature film I call it like the, the equivalent of Triple uh, A baseball, and you know you want to get into the bigs and. Um, but it seems like that's pretty much capped out. I've got some relationships now with some with some pretty big industry people that are sitting up and taking notice. And um, so um, I'll always remember you, I promise. I don't care how big I get. <laughs> well, I've noticed that the picture on your IMDb page, that is a very, very close to your character in 17 and Life Jailbait. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes, and yes. You, the, the suit and plywood, You yes. are a smart man because you're just throwing it in her face now. Look at me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, still here, that bitches. Guy that, that guy that took that picture, he's a good friend of mine. He's actually Jim Jordan. Um, he's a, it's a Jim Jordan Photography uh, dot com. He's a, just a uh, he's a celebrity photographer, and he and I got to be. It, it's a funny story how he and I met. We actually all met in church of all places. I was with my wife at the time, and he thought that we were swingers. And so, here we are on a Sunday morning. Oh my and, God. you know, everybody's got their hands up praising God, and he thinks we're swingers. So it was like, wow, what does this society come to? But we've become good friends, and so he shoots me every so often, and uh, he actually took those shots. But, uh, good guy. We had dinner last night. He's a great guy. <laughs> good photographer. Swinger. He is. He's he's brilliant. He's he's an amazing photographer. He does 
he does big campaigns like for J. Crew and Abercrombie and Fitch. He's um, he's he's a monster monster photographer, but uh, yeah, he does amazing. You'll work. have to send it. You'll have to send him down to our festival so he can take pictures there. You know, uh, yeah, definitely. Let's you know, you got my email and stuff. You know, keep me posted on there because I'd love to come down there. And um, yeah, we would, we, would love, we would love to have you. <laughs> you could scare would be a lot so of much, Wouldn't that be so much fun? Oh my gosh! Yeah, let me know the details of it. I mean, yeah, yeah we're, sure. we're doing three days and thirty films, so uh, we could use all the celebrity help we can get. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be fun. October thirty yeah. first, two thousand fourteen. October thirty first. That should be hard to remember. <laughs> We announced our festival on October 31st this year for next year, and we've been doing really well. So I think, and we, we contact, we have talked to a lot of people, and I think we're going to get a good crowd there and a lot of stuff. So it'll it'll be a lot of fun. Three days of partying, and everybody's going to have such a good time networking that they won't want to go anywhere else. Beautiful. That sounds fun. That really does. That really does. And I do want to give a shout out to Gabriel Campisi. He's one of Jared's partners. Um, yes. I want to give him a big shout out because uh, he sent me a nice message after the interview with Aaron. So uh, he's one that got me more in, more in touch with the comic book. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a comic book watcher, looker, or whatever you call it, but I know people who are. So I will make sure that I can get some copies for early Christmas. I mean, for Christmas presents. What the hell? Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it depends on who I give it to. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm starting to sound like you now. You're you're old. There you Son go. Of a bitch. You sick bastard! You. <laughs> Damn it! Gruesome is an ignorant, selfish bitch. That's Creepy true. motherfucker. That's true. <laughs> Shut up, John. Uh, I know. I know. I know him well, and uh, I can tell you that's true. See, Steve, I'm an ag- I'm an agitator. You see, I like to have fun. You know, you you people are like. Sometimes they're all like taking life too serious, you know. I mean, we all have our family problems and stuff, but we have to, we all live. I mean, you, you, we we live day by day, so I like to get a little fun. So I would just casually post a, you know, something smart ass about Matt Chasen or anybody in a, in, a, in a private group page, and I just liven the party up. It works. There you go. Yeah, it's fun. See, I see. I made her laugh. You see, that's the whole idea. I make people laugh. And you make people hit you, so we're we're, we're a good team. So we're even, perfect. <laughs> Alrighty, Steve. Uh, is it now? Is there anything else you have going on? I have, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, that I'm just kind of a Renaissance man, and acting is a wonderful part of my life, but it's not all of my life. Um, right. You know, I was mentioning earlier where I um, and and um, I'm in this acting group. And it's quite like the studio system from years back, maybe 30 years ago. And we bring in actors, young actors. They don't have to be young. They just tend to be young. But it's anybody that has a modicum of talent. And then we develop that talent. We get them with a good manager. We get them with good agencies. We get them in front of some of the biggest names of the business. And one of the things that we do for these actors is educate them about um, like for instance one of the biggest challenges that an actor has when he comes to LA is making a living and you know you can always wait tables and that's great and you can bartend and that's great but what I want to do is get them teach them how to trade stocks 
and so that they can actually have more financial freedom, make more money with less hours. And another thing that we do is we educate them and coach them on fitness and nutrition because you know, you can be the greatest actor in the world, and unless you're a character actor where the physicality does not matter, if you're a leading man or a leading woman, the physicality matters very much. And that's our society now. Um, and it's, it's very um, pleasing to the eyes. It's very, you know, sexual now. It's like, uh, oh, that's sexy, he's sexy, she's sexy, whatever. And a lot of that is the visual. And so we work with them on getting their body in shape, getting their, you know, a six-pack pair of abs, set of abs. Mm. And um, it's, a, it's a really exciting time that we're in right now. I know that the business, you know, has a reputation of, oh, my God, it's so tough now. No, it's not. I think it's, I think it's uh, easier to make it now. It's never easy, but it's easier to make it now than it ever has been because right. there is such a demand for product. And you got YouTube and you got Vimeo and you got everybody's got a camera and you just get a little bit of uh, talent behind you and you can throw some pretty funny stuff up there on YouTube. And then you yeah. got people looking at you. So it's, it's a great day, but, you know, that's kind of what I do in my own personal life. I've got other businesses that I do. I've got other, you know, interests that I do. I've got a book that I'm writing. I've got all this kinds of stuff that I'm doing that um, is in addition. It's an addendum to the acting. And I think almost that's an important thing for actors to have at their disposal nowadays, also young actors, is to have a wide variation of interests. Because if you put it all into acting, it just leaves room for depression and, oh, my God, when's the job coming? And, you know... When you have a wide diversity of interests, it keeps you from falling into the doldrums of, oh, you know, the, the lack of stuff happening and getting depressed over it. Right. So what <clears throat> what is the name of your organization so we can let the listeners know? It's called CM, C as in Charlie, M as in motherfucker, CM Acting Studios. Um, and um, that's that's our group. It's We have some of the biggest names in the business come in and watch our talents. I mean, we're talking names like, you know, David Rappaport, Allison Jones, uh, Brian Singer, um, Jason Eagenberg over at UTA. I mean, we got some big, big names that are, that are coming in because they see quality. Sarah is now in our little group. Sarah, who is in, uh, jailbait, she's now come in our group. Jared has actually been over there to, um, spend an evening of critiquing scenes. So, um, it's a, it's a real that group right there is what opened the door for me to do 23 films or however many I've done in the last two years because I studied with Ivana Chubbuck for 10 years and she's brilliant she's amazing I love her but I still had this intrinsic fear for getting up and acting in front of people or on the camera it was so weird and when I got with some acting studio Max Decker is a guy you can IMDB him um, but what he combines the script with improv and when you're able to do that it is organic performances that come out mm. it is insane the kind of good quality realism acting in fact I went in for a reading uh, for a movie that Eric Roberts was going to star in and I was going to play opposite him and I got called like 30 minutes before the audition I get into the director's at his house in Santa Monica, the director's house. It was 12 pages, six scenes. 
And I go, I said, my first thing was, look, do you really need me to do six scenes, 12 pages? I mean, you're going to see what you like in the first 30 seconds. He goes, yeah, but I want to see all six scenes. I said, okay, give me a few minutes. So he left. I took five minutes, got five minutes. I said, okay, I'm ready. Because all I did was just go through and get the bullet points. That's all I did. I said, okay, we're talking about a coffee cup. Boom. That's all I, that's all I need to know. The coffee cup is white. We're going to throw through the window and we're going to break down the door and we're going to rape and pillage everybody in the house or whatever, whatever it is. But you just get a bullet point. And then you talk, you just talk from your gut. And it comes out so real, so natural. And with five minutes of preparation, I absolutely nailed this. Nailed it. Got cast in the part. And then opened my mouth and I said, you know what, Mr. Director, I'm right at the point where I'm probably going to get, uh, you know, an NBC or CBS show. And if I do, you know, I'm going to walk. Well, that's the last thing. You don't want to say that. So um, I had already been cast for it and then they uncast me. But, you know, that's just a no big deal. A big movie with Eric Roberts. But who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's honestly what happens when you when you get when you're so fully prepared. You just you know it's your time, and you're just you're just in position for the opportunity because you've done the preparation. You know, I can imagine. You know, somebody will say, "Wow, that was Steve. You were an overnight success." And I go, "Yeah, well, that was a long <laughs> night." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Steve, uh, thanks for coming on. It was great to finally be able to talk shit. I mean, talk about shit and movies. And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm full. I'm full of it. But anyway, Steve, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're a, a wonderful person, a great actor, a great spirited person, and a lot great of great guests. Oh, thank you. Here again, that's an aww coming out of me. That's the original part of me, you know. Aww. We say that a lot. Aww. We care about people. Um, but yeah, I really do. I mean that sincerely. Thank you so much for having me on. And it was a pleasure to share with you. And it was a pleasure to, uh, to get to know you guys and, um, more and more and more in the future. All right, Steve. Thanks a lot again and take All care right. of yourself. You thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye.